A number of years ago, I had an epiphany, you know, one of those sudden manifestations. The light goes on, the, the elevator goes all the way to the top. I was reading an article, and the Lord showed me that the soul of man was not created to control one's life. It was created to be a translator of the revelation of the Spirit of God in the earth. Yep, that soul, that housing of the human will and emotions, that one and the same piece of a biological genius always being challenged by the principalities and powers of the air. You know, attempting to uh, uh, to form our habits, our beliefs, our ideas, desires, behaviors, patterns of thought and attitudes, all in opposition to the Holy Spirit who lives and abides in us. Yep, the same soul that on a, a very good day walks in the Spirit, rejecting the pathway of the flesh. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. I believe we can show from Scripture the role of the human soul is going to have a most profound impact on how the apocalyptic gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed in the final hours of this age. The discerning human soul, the, the human mind and emotions, is increasingly being challenged. And that will have considerable spiritual impact on how we handle the days ahead. But if properly ordered by the Holy Spirit and correctly responded to, it'll be also one of God's greatest gifts. So here's a good question. If I am, why don't I? If I'm positionally in Christ Jesus, if I'm everything the Word of God says that I am, why can't I get it right? For what I will to do, that I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. A am I in the same boat with the Apostle Paul who, who clearly expressed his frustration in Romans chapter 7? Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of sin and death? You see, the writer of Hebrews also had some insight into this quandary. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you might be saying, Bill, where are you going with all this? I'm coming to the realization we're coming into the most intense transitional generation in history. The majority of God's people will either experience the power of the Holy Spirit on a very regular basis or suffer from extraordinary deception at such a level it will put them among the ranks of the great falling away. Folks, we're coming to a place we've not been before, a place that radically changes the way we live before God. The Spirit's changing the emotional chemistry of the end-time church, demanding, demanding that we get the first commandment of God quickly back into first place. And there's another thing to consider here. Might some of our greatest emotional, even physical pushback against such spiritual discipline and intensity, what the Bible calls a great falling away, might some of it actually come from Seemingly godly people with whom we've been acquainted in churches and religious organizations, 
just saying, Paul, Paul let it be known the day of the Lord cannot come unless there's first a great falling away. So for however long the Lord has us on this subject, I want to talk about what, what will be the requirement of the human soul, its problems, its provisions, its progressions, and the kind of, the kind of prayer that's going to be necessary to keep it wondrously attuned to the mind of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not news we're living in extraordinary times. It's going to require radical changes in the way we live before God. I believe the Lord is significantly changing the emotional chemistry of the end-time church. How we steward our lives in this hour will have a dramatic impact on how we navigate the coming hour. We're running out of options here. Probably the, the best place for me to start is to bring some clarity to the differences between the, the human spirit and the human soul. Stay with me here. And, and if you have your Bibles, get them out, turn it to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, some of you can't do that at this particular moment in time, so I encourage you to go back and listen and open the Scripture to the Scripture that I'm reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 6. Paul's speaking to the Corinthian believers. He says, We speak wisdom among those who are mature. That's good. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Now that speaks volumes about the wisdom of God. But as it's written... I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For this Spirit, it's the Spirit that searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. See, spiritual wisdom, the correct application of, of knowledge, originates in the mind of Christ. Verse 12. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, but not the natural man. The natural man, the soulish man, does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for their foolishness to him nor can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Now, let me stop here. Verse 12. It, it, verse 12 is very careful to point out that you and I have received at, at the new birth the Spirit of God. In the Greek, the, the pneuma, the Holy Spirit, who allows us to know the things, the potential, the glory, yes, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. While verse 14 clearly says the natural man, that's the Greek word we get, uh, suke, or what we know in English is psychology. The Greek word psychology or suke, the man operating in the context of only his human psychology, 
does not receive the things of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying here is my epiphany of so many years ago that my soul was not created to control my life, that it's absolutely necessary it be fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit, that it's fully dependent on my walk in the Spirit, in the pneuma. Am I going to let my human psychology and reasoning determine how I carry my heart before God? Or am I going to put that away and fully embrace my walk in the Holy Spirit, who can show me all things, including things to come? How important is that? See, there's nothing new under the sun. The problem for the flesh of the natural man, the the human reasoning outside the mind of Christ, has been around since the fall in the garden. God provided the solution for that problem by giving of himself, even unto death, by presenting his soul as a man in the flesh. Never tell anyone they don't have to go to the cross. God intends for the cross to offend the human soul, human psychology. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. The soul wouldn't have a problem if it could save your life. But you tell your soul, listen, you tell your soul that it has nothing to do with your salvation. (laughs) Oh boy, the turmoil begins. But here's the point. God intends for the cross to offend the human soul. In this transitional generation, the soul must be in a surrendered condition. What I behold about God's heart toward me is what I'll become in my heart, in my soul, toward God. Let's go back to Genesis for a moment. Uh, Stay with me here. This is really important. It's intense, but it is important. I believe if we can get a hold of God's pattern for creation, it'll open our eyes to the potential of the human soul, the psyche, in a surrender in a surrendered condition, a necessary condition if we're going to navigate the spiritual challenges coming very fast and furious these days. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. Then God said, I like that, God talking out loud, <laughs> let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and the beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And so it was so. Verse 25, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now listen carefully to verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Now these are my words. Let us make man with a human soul and my spirit. Listen to this carefully. 
the pattern God used for creation. He said nine times, nine times that he would create after its own kind. You see, God first creates an original. Secondly, he creates a counterpart to that original. And then thirdly, he brings them into a union and they generate life of their own kind. But in verse 26, God changes everything. He makes a significant change in the process. This time, and it's only this time, God does not create an original. Well, doesn't everything have to begin with an original? Absolutely, surely, yes. But when man was created, God was the original. Man was created to be the counterpart to God, the original. Let me say emphatically, this is very profound. We're, we're imagers. We're, we're counterparts of the uncreated God of heaven and earth. We represent God to creation. We were never intended to function in any way outside the context of the uncreated God. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as a mirror, in a mirror, the, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. We counterparts, listen to this, we counterparts of God are being transformed day by day, minute by minute into the image of the original. Just as God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, man was created to be a tripart being. We're created to have God's life, his breath, his spirit, his pneuma. And man was given a soul that contained the logos of God, God's word, the logic of God, reasoning of God, the personality of God. Man was never intended to function intellectually independent of God. Man's knowledge was always intended to originate out of the supernatural. Well, I would suggest we don't much presently resemble what God originated at creation. Yep, what I would do, I do not. And that what I would not do, that I do. Now, you're probably saying, what is any of this? What does any of this have to do with what God's bringing upon the earth at the close of this age? I believe it has everything to do with it. What it means to me, this is what it means to me, and see if it means something along these lines to you. What it means is God is raising up a generation of believers that have once again recognized and, and embraced the power of the cross and all that it means to how we carry our hearts before God as we, as we image and reflect the power, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit with signs, wonders, a, a spiritual transparency that reflects on multiple levels the very character and personality of God of whom we are a counterpart. So when I say the Lord's returning for a, a church without spot or wrinkle, and I've said that on many occasions, it will make perfect sense that we counterparts who know our original creator 
will be strong in the crisis, a people of understanding, walking in signs and wonders, instructing many during the most intense time in human history, no longer saying, if I am, why don't I? Rather saying, I'm everything God intended me to be. I'm a surrendered soul, imaging and reflecting my God in the earth and not loving my life even unto death. Praise God. Praise you, Lord. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. God of heaven and earth. Lord, Lord, in the name of Christ Jesus, we submit our disobedient souls to you. We ask you to do what you love most and what you do best. Encounter, encounter your collective counterparts in the earth in this day. So we'll have our hearts surrendered before you in that day. Forgive us, Father. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us now and those who will trespass against us, challenge us, reject us, persecute us in the future. Father, keep us holy and without blame as we present ourselves before you at your coming. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, go back with your Bibles open to examine the scriptures that we presented here today. See if these things are not so. And oh, how I pray for you, and and I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Maranatha! Come soon, Lord Jesus. I'm Bill Nordstrom.